Welcome back. Welcome in. Country Roads Confidential carries on here at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I am Mike Casaz, welcoming in the very busy Chris Anderson. And Chris, I want to task you right away with describing what we're going to have coming for basketball and our, I don't know what we're going to call it, drafting or whatever from our ultimate 21st century team, an extension of the wildly popular football idea, which never actually – you spurn the media idea. I kind of thought that had legs. I guess not. <laughs> I can dream. But anyways, basketball coming up. We're going to roll that out. I'll let you explain the when and the how. It's similar, a little bit different. And this was tricky beyond what we experienced for football. Yeah, I actually thought that the basketball version would be easier because that's kind of where this idea originated, where you pick your starting five and you do the $1 to $5, and that was it. And But you and I discussed – getting it up to eight so we could talk about an eight man rotation to try and make it more realistic. And I, man, I had a rough time just trying to figure out uh, who was going to play where, who was worth what. Cause I think if I stuck with the starting five and then just had people pick three extras from the same five columns, uh, I was having like Joe Alexander at, at two or $3. I was, and stuff like that. And as, just not something I felt comfortable with. So then I tried to make eight columns and you get to pick your five starters and then uh, any guard, any guard slash forward and any, any big man and to get to eight. And obviously with a $24 budget, $3 average per, per column. And boy, you can go all over the place. It, it was really tough to figure <laughs> out a lot of this stuff. Cause I, in my mind, the hardest part for me is trying to not project my own feelings about who is undervalued and who isn't like who didn't have the stats. Right. And, um, but because there's so many guys that might've been overlooked that were really freaking good, but say they weren't on the, you know, beeline teams that made it to, to the sweet 16 or that 2010 final four team, they weren't on those teams. So they kind of get forgotten um, and, and get devalued. And when you'd, probably rather have that guy than say someone who was the fifth or sixth best player on one of those great teams. But people remember because he was on a great team, but we'll, we'll, we'll have that. What wins, I think Wednesday morning, I'm going to put it out there for everybody to pick their teams and we'll go through our usual of, uh, we'll put it out there Wednesday for everybody to pick their teams. Mike and I will podcast and talk about it, pick our teams and then what put our teams out Thursday sometime. Probably. I think people are going to fight about this. I think you and I are going to fight about this. So it's okay. Well, I know that's going to happen. Yeah. But like, I think like, I'm looking at some of these things and I remember when I punched it up uh, yesterday, today's Tuesday. So yesterday, I think you started updating this and everything. And there are some combinations with the, I guess we'll call it starting forward, starting center and the extra forward slash center position that are like really exciting. I don't want to give it away, but like just, you could have three big guys not on the floor, but on the roster, who just have completely different and complementary at the same time skill sets. It's kind of fun. And then the backcourts you can put together are ridiculous. Um, I think you did a really good job with the prices on them, although there's some that you just can't avoid. But, like, I'm looking at the $1 guys, and there's a couple you're like, oh, my gosh. But then you look at who's above them at 2 or 3, 4, and 5, you're thinking, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't think people would be barking at you about that, but – I think some of the teams that people put together and be like, that would never happen. That would never work. Or why didn't I think of that? Or actually, that's a really good idea. I think these are going to spark some really good conversations, which is the point here. We got nothing better to do than to fight with each other on a message board, Mike. I promise. 
speaking of, this is week 13 or 14, I think, of this. I've lost track. Yes. How's life going for you? Uh, not bad. I think uh, the inmates are uh, kind of running the asylum. My children have, at first, they were excited about dad school and doing fun stuff and w- with dad and playing around the house and whatnot. And, and now they're, they're over it. They're done. Um, losing control here. So if I don't make it to the next podcast, you know why. Yeah. Uh, again, I keep talking about how it's not initially, it didn't seem like a big deal to me. Uh, that's not the right word. It didn't seem like a big change for me. It's obviously a big deal, but like I work from home. I don't see you hardly often. So some of these things are pretty ordinary. I kind of like having my wife around. Um, let me change that too. I like having my wife around, <laughs> um, but I'm not used to it as often. So some of these things are good, but like, man, just the, how many times can you walk your dog? Do I really have to mow again? That laundry's not going to fold and stuff. Like all these things that you're sometimes you think are conveniences or when you have a, a moment to do it, man, you have all those moments and you have all those conveniences right now. And like stuff that I didn't want to do before is getting really tiresome. That's a negative. <laughs> Cause like if I didn't want to do it before and I have to do it now, that seems really bad too. And uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like, Again, I, I'm a bit more optimistic than I was, but kind of getting bummed out by some of the stuff I think is maybe on the horizon. Like, for example, Cincinnati just drops men's soccer today, and like, what do we care about Cincinnati men's soccer? On the level, not not a lot, but like, what does that mean? Probably means that some of these things are coming in different locations and different sports and different scope. And then, you know, who long, who knows how long before the waves hit shore here? But kind of starts with the domino and. I think the the closer we go here to May 1, the more we're going to hear stuff about the conversations people are having. And that's not really stuff I'm prepared for right now. I'm kind of hoping that nothing happens for a while. But obviously, you want to see things develop to some sort of a conclusion. And it's obviously better news than, than worse news. Yeah, the the Cincinnati thing, you you kind of get this feeling that they were the, the men's soccer team was kind of in the discussion about being cut as it was with the department, the athletic department there. And then this, the, the coronavirus issue and obviously shutting things down kind of gave them the, the um, higher ups that, that little nudge they needed to go ahead and get it done. And you have to wonder how many other sports at and many other schools are going to take a similar hit are going to get cut at this point in time or suspended. I don't know if you can really circle back around on it in a couple years when the financial blow is not as bad, but um it, it could get ugly for, for some fringe sports, some fringe, even, uh, you know, we're talking at least in football too. Not every football team um, is making tons of money. If you're talking about those teams that are maybe recently made the transition from FCS up to FBS or whatever, from division three to FCS, um, they're not doing great. And this ain't going to help. No, I, I've had so many conversations across the past couple of weeks that, I don't know what information is still fresh or what ideas are still fresh or if the expiration date is long since passed because this changes so quickly and so regularly. But I think what people hoped for was that instead of cutting sports, you might see schools suspend sports for a year. You know, let's bring it back in 2021 slash 2022 and see if it works, see if the finances work better. If it doesn't, you know, hey, then we'll cut it, but don't do it right away. It makes you think that schools have made up their mind that this was an outcome they couldn't avoid and, and it comes sooner than later. Um, but I also wonder like equity rules, not just title nine, but like dollars to dollars for scholarships. And, you know, can you, can you have X amount of men's sports or women's sports? Also, you have to have a certain number of sports to be a division one institution. And some schools just barely get by on that. 
I, I just wonder if the NCAA can hold those standards without forcing athletic departments to make decisions that could really collapse their existence. So, you know, if if you have to have, I forget the number, 17 Division One sports, don't, don't hold me on that one, but you have to have a certain number. If you can't do that right now and drop into 13 or 14 saves you, you know, financial ruin, you kind of have to look that way, I would think. Yeah, I think so too. And I would imagine that the NCAA would consider a couple years of, of you know, leeway, letting teams or letting schools kind of drop below that line, possibly, um, you know, say make the line 15 or 14 and then gradually bump it back up each year. So you drop it to 14 and then in a couple years, it's 15, then 16, then back to 17. Actually, I'm looking at my timeline right now on Twitter, and Pete Thamel has something to that effect coming out. So, (laughs) good timing, Mike. (laughs) Good timing. I was trying to get away from our uh, our spreadsheet um, that I was looking at for um, our our teams, and I just saw that, so um, didn't know that, but had heard about that. So again, again, that's how quickly these things are moving. All of a sudden, I think we had a about a ten day window where people were optimistic about stuff, and you had some very forward ideas and progressive thinking, and maybe that kind of produced some thoughts one way or the other. I'm not going to draw any conclusions yet, and I don't want to dwell on that because I want to get into what is and isn't happening around here with West Virginia and some topics I wanted to, to bounce off of you, Chris. And they kind of involve, you know, you know our very existence here because everything is about recruiting, I've learned, in sports uh, at the college level, football, basketball especially. Um, and there's two different things going on with recruiting for basketball and for football. And I want to start with basketball because that's kind of the topic um, that's hot right now because West Virginia does have an open scholarship. The I guess they call it the regular signing period starts tomorrow, Wednesday. So maybe West Virginia adds, but possibly West Virginia does not add and may pocket the scholarship or not commit it to a player who plays next year. A whole bunch of opportunities here, but you have caught up with what Bob Huggins had to say during his impressive Zoom appearance yesterday. And he used the word if a whole bunch when he talked about scholarship 13 for the upcoming basketball season, which is a very different word than, you know, who or when they make an addition. Um, if it's a small word, but it packs a lot of punch right now, does it not? It does. Is this where we're going to do the, the Mike has a victory lap? Right? Yeah, I told I, you so. I, yes, because uh, I believe uh, it was, you know, it was several podcasts ago um, and I, we discussed what to do with that final spot. I think I came up with a couple of ideas and you said, you know, it, your thoughts were um, getting a big man that can maybe red shirt and then be available to play in 2021, 2022. And the more Bob Huggins says, if, and the more we think about Culver being gone, Oscar being gone, um, the more you have to realize that 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 seems to make the most sense right now. Yeah, I still do think that uh, the best case scenario would be to find a point guard that can really elevate that point guard play and try to win now. Uh, you don't get these windows very often where you have so much talent coming back, but it's becoming clearer by the day that there aren't that many options out there that are <clears throat> – that are available for West Virginia that are that West Virginia is interested in that would be interested in West Virginia and can drastically improve point guard play. You don't want to bring in guys that might, you know, barely increase it. You want to bring somebody that can drastically increase point guard play. And I'm not sure that's an option. So it's looking more and more like you were. Oh, oh I'm getting it. sick. I almost said it. I almost threw up on my laptop. <laughs> yeah. 
Looking more and more like Mike was right, and and West Virginia should and could go with a big man that develops for a year. Just some context of this is that Huggins has not done a lot of transfer stuff, and I want to touch on one reason why in a couple of minutes. But um, the big thing is that I don't think he likes to have a guy who can't play for a year be around and not be able to help the other guys who can't play. And he's said that before, and I think that that's kind of a, a consistent thought for him. The trouble, though, is that next month, they may pass that rule where everybody gets a one-time free transfer, and they may apply that retroactively to everybody who's already come in. So he may say, you know what, you're 6'10", 230, we'd love to have you sit for a year and then play, you know, not, not toil away this year behind our other four forwards who we'd like more and for longer than we'd like to end on you. So be ready to go in the 21-22 season. But if the NCAA says on May 20th, well, actually, your 6'10", 240-pound guy is, in fact, eligible right now. I can't believe that kid's going to volunteer to sit. So I think that's something you need to stay out of. And I think that's a, a, a real thing here, that they may not do that. Um, unless the kid says, you know what, yeah, I agree. Even if I'm allowed to play, I'll sit. It's a hard thing to sell to a kid because the one reason that you don't transfer is you don't want to sit sometimes. And the one reason that we have such an aggressive move to these quirky ways around the year in residence is because it's such it's such a roadblock. People don't want to sit for a year. They want to play. Um, speaking of wanting to play, I think that's something that may stand in the way of them signing, again, hypothetical, you're a 6'11", 205-pound guy who's been playing you know, only for a couple of years, who had a growth spurt and isn't quite what he's going to be in a couple of years, is that that kid develops better by being able to play for a year. Um, and people want to apply this idea of get a string bean who can grow add muscle, add game as he's redshirting. They want to apply that to Jalen Bridges. Jalen Bridges played basketball at a really high level for a really long time. It's not like he was learning last year. So I'm not sure it's a fair comparison. I, I've kind of even come off of that block a little bit that I just don't know if that's a, a route that West Virginia is going to want to go. That It may not. It may actually slow that kid's development. Um, and then your, your point guard thing is right. Who's out there? Um, I think they would take somebody that could work but maybe supplement and spell – McCabe and McBride. I don't think they want someone who's going to come in and try to play 30 minutes or even 20 minutes. I think they're going to try to pour the minutes into those two. I do think, though, that what we saw late in the year probably try to move McBride off the ball more. So if you can nudge it in that direction, um, if you can get somebody to play a couple minutes a game, that's a pretty uh, interesting, a pretty interesting idea. I just don't know that that person's out there right now. We keep saying, hey, get the get the Mooney type of kid from Texas Tech. And he came from a mid-major school and, and turned out to be a perfect fit for that team. I'm not even sure that guy's out there right now. No, and I I think um, it, you you got you got me thinking about the Jalen Bridges thing because all I keep thinking about with Bridges is what what you said right before that about how convincing a guy to come in and sit. And I couldn't believe they got Bridges to come in and sit. Yeah. Um, because he was a guy that a lot of teams were ready to bring right in and play right away. So. They were able to do it once. I don't know if you can do it twice, but, um, man, I feel like when we first started this conversation a couple months ago, we had a long list of transfers, and obviously guys are making decisions and picking schools. Uh, you just saw the one of the kids from Wichita State uh, choose Texas Tech the other day. Uh, Luther Muhammad from Ohio State is going to choose later tonight. Uh, might have already picked by the time you guys listen to this, and as Mike noted, the, the crystal ball is trending heavily towards Arizona State at the moment. Um, if those guys are off the board, there's not too many other point guards that West Virginia's really been linked to 
on the transfer market. And so, yeah, I don't think there's much of a point to, to keep beating that bush or beating that dead horse if it's not happening. Is Muhammad a point, too? Like, I mean, you, you could say, all right, I would like to see Muhammad and McBride play together. That's great. Who's the point guard? Is it Muhammad? Is it McBride? Is it McCabe? Is he a point guard? I don't know. I mean, he's a 6'3 guy who likes to have the ball in his hand and, and can shoot about 35%, but is he going to be a guy that adds to what they have right now? I don't know about that. I don't either. Uh, you're looking at the, you look at the roster of the guys that are supposed to come back. Um, there's not a lot of weaknesses. I, I think I've said before, and you have too, that, that point guard might be it, but maybe it's not. Maybe these guys develop more. Maybe they want to keep building and throwing minutes into those guys. But here's let me throw something else back at you. You mentioned if they change that rule and in a month about immediate transfers, West Virginia might also need to kind of wait and see what happens if with somebody leaving the program. Mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I let's get this clear. I have, have not heard anything about anybody trying to leave, but you have to be prepared for, for this kind of stuff. You can't, the coaches, I assure you, will be prepared for that kind of situation. That is their job. They're always ready for that. Always have the ear to the ground about guys, you know, leaving early for the NBA, for instance, or transferring. And if they switch that rule and guys can make a transfer in a month and you go out and get a, you know, say you lose one of your guards and you go out and get a big man with that spot, then you're scrambling for another guard to fill the spot that you just lost. So you might want to kind of hold on and and see where you're really sitting uh, later in the process. The monkey wrench here is how screwed up the pre-draft is going to be here with the NBA because if they're going to hold these April dates, April 16th was the declare for an evaluation, April 26th is the declare for the draft, and then there's future dates for stay in or get out. If those get deferred or if people just get into the draft or if they change the come back to school rules, whatever, they're going to have to be a little bit more flexible than normal. That can cause major roster upheaval, and then transfers might be more appealing than they were yesterday. It's it's kind of a great unknown, too. Um, one more on Muhammad. Uh, not to say that West Virginia won't take a transfer. Uh, he was in the what final five, I think, or he had West Virginia in the final five. It's not because he said that. It's because he had some inkling that he probably would be accepted here. As I understand it, there's a connection between he, McBride, and Matthews. They played some uh, summer basketball together. So they're friends. So you can do some homework on that. And I don't think that Huggins trusts anybody as far as the roster among people on the roster more than McCabe and Matthews. Uh, those are guys that have been there from kind of day one of whatever this is right now. So he can talk to them and get a good idea about, you know, who is this guy? You know, what, what type of baggage does he or doesn't he have? What's myth? What's reality? So I think they'll consider it, but man, and, and you know, this, it's so hard to take in a transfer because it has to work. And you know, why did he, why did he leave one place? Why did the other place not try to keep him? So on and so forth. And you can solve a lot of those problems by just having the kid on campus and, and you know run some five on five and you know hang out on high street and just get to know the players. That's totally absent from this process right now, and that is kind of a similarity in both types of recruiting right now. But as far as taking in transfers or even signing like prep kids late, if you don't have that ability to you know mix the players up and see what they like and get like an honest evaluation from the current players about a future teammate, uh, if you can't let that kid on campus and see what he thinks about stuff. I don't know how you make an addition and feel it's worthwhile to disrupt what Huggins thinks he has going right now. That's a big deal to me, I think. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And I think I, I've, I've mentioned this a thousand times, and it was it was hammered into my brain about three or four years ago when I was discussing uh, recruits for basketball and who's a take, who who was not a take, and so on and so forth. And someone, capital S someone, said that all this take and not a take stuff, uh, yeah, there's a few obvious ones, but so much of it has to deal with these open gyms that the yeah. team kind of has. When these kids come up to visit, the Bob Huggins and the coaches can't be there, and but these recruits they, or these transfers or whoever it is, they come in and they play – with the current players and they just play five on five. They just have fun, play five on five, but it's competitive. And then the players will report back like, Hey, this guy doesn't try hard. He's kind of a ball hog. He's a jerk. I don't know if he's really going to fit in with us or this guy dominated. He passed. Well, he was screening. He was hustling on defense. We give the seal of approval. That is huge when it comes to picking guys, especially as recruits, but even more so when you're talking about, like you said, these transfers because they got to make a, an impact immediately. And so they need to be already be able to gel with the current team. And obviously with this kind of ban on in, in person recruiting and visits, this isn't happening. So you're really taking a flyer on a guy. Yeah. Huggins is not going to allow the poison pill in his locker room anymore. I mean, he had that happen two years ago and it really caused some problems. And the one thing that stood out to me, in his conference, little news conference, video conference on Monday was that, you know, they have the right formula right now to be picky and they've earned that ability. Like, and why would you squander it? Like we have a thing that we've carefully, carefully situated. We have nine returning players. We have three people that we did our homework on that we signed in November. We got 12. Uh, and interestingly, he said, we're not going to play 13. Let's be honest. That's funny because they certainly tried last year, but I mean, I mean, growth out of, you know, I wouldn't say failure, but growth out of maybe not as much success as you want. And certainly two years ago wasn't what he wanted. And, and he said this year he probably played too many people, too many minutes, and he didn't have to. So why would you add a 13 just because you have 13 available? Um, that's interesting to me. One thing that goes into the transfer market and why I think he's leery about transfers um, is that he does not want to poach. That's his word. Um, what the transfer portal has done, what people like you know our company has done, is make the transfer portal a very public and very accessible thing. Schools can go in there and say, hey, this kid's in. We can call him now. Um, that was not the way before the portal. Before the portal existed, a kid had to contact the school or his people had to contact the school and try to figure things out. And it was very regimented. Now it's not. It's a wild west. And if you find somebody in there, you can figure out how to get in touch with them. Um, that makes this a lot more inviting to players. It's easier to get in and out. And Huggins says he's not going to do that. If someone reaches out to him, the first thing he does is call the original school and say, hey, heads up. And they probably talk about what do you know, what do you think about the kid. But there is some valor in that. Huggins is an old school guy, and he's got his principles, and he's going to stick to them. But it made me think that I guess there is poaching in some regard 
in this transfer market. And it's not welcome in college basketball and by and large in college basketball, when a kid commits, that's it. It's off. It's a wrap. He's done. He's going to that school. Very much different in college football. Not everybody flips, but the flip is a constant worry for the school that has a commitment and the constant goal for a school that wants to reverse that commitment and accept it closer to signing day too. Chris, why does this difference in philosophy or acceptance exist in the two sports? Uh, is it because the bag man is more clear in basketball or is that, is that the answer I'm supposed to give here? I like it. I like it. <laughs> uh, I think part of the reason is because the pool of available and uh, let's be honest, guys who are capable of and talented enough to play at a high level in basketball is much smaller, much clearer than it is in football. You can find sleepers, find guys later than others, but in basketball, it's pretty clear who you should be recruiting and who you are recruiting very early on in the process. So teams aren't are not very often resorting to their second, third, fourth option, and they're also not say saying, "Hey, we're good with," you know. We would gladly take, for instance, like a wide receiver. Uh, we have two spots at wide receiver. We'll gladly take any of these 30 guys. With basketball, especially at West Virginia, but at, at most everywhere, it's we need a big, and we got three guys. These are the three we're interested in, and that's <clears> it. it. The, 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 there's not as big of a pool. There's not as much interest going around. They kind of laser focus on recruits. And recruits tend to make better decisions, and they know where they want to go to. Um, and, and in football, man, there's there's none of that. It is constantly trying to uh, flip things. And I don't know if you want to transition it or me, because I literally just got a text from our Penn State site about Andrew Wilson Lamp, the wide receiver commit for West Virginia, who just picked up a Penn State offer last night. So. Oh, do you want to read that text and I can fill some dead air for a second? <laughs> nah, I, yeah, you go ahead and fill it because I'm going to read what it says and, and see what I can share. Well, I think it's fascinating because I would think that I, I, I totally buy your argument there. And I think it makes sense. But I would also think that, boy, if you've got one position on your basketball team, you know, five on the floor, 13 on the roster, and you want that guy and he picks your rival or he picks another school you're competing against, I don't know. Do you move on to your plan B knowing it's not who you initially wanted or is it that much more valuable to get his services and you do what you can for as long as you can to flip him? It just seems like there's a gentleman's agreement in basketball not to do that um, to the point that uh, there is a pretty I think it's a pretty well-known rift between Rick Barnes when he was in Texas and Scott Drew when he was a Baylor just about some recruiting practices and things like that. Um, and there's stories about everybody about when somebody goes a little bit too far with a committed player that, you know, that causes some bad blood too. football, totally different. Um, every school tries to flip somebody. It seems like it doesn't matter, you know, whether they're in the conference or they're across the country, but someone that they want, you know, until that name is in the paper, until that fax comes to the machine, it probably doesn't really matter, even though you have more positions, more options. So it's kind of a different way to look at it, I guess probably depends on your perspective, but it just occurs to me that, that gentleman's agreement doesn't exist so much so that I remember when a former West Virginia coach went up to Michigan, he kind of, you know, rattled some cages with people that he was recruiting against. And I can remember a conversation that Jim Tressel had with reporters and they, they said that something along the lines of within the big 10, you know, you try not to do that stuff. And they said, you know, isn't a gentleman's agreement in place here. And Tressel said among gentlemen, which is kind of always a, a zing. I thought that, 
probably got off the uh, Rodriguez error to a rockier start in Michigan than maybe it should have been. But as I wonder now, Chris, what you're reading there, I wanted to revisit the football commitments because the one you're talking about is one. You have laid out possibilities for the quarterback commit. And then, honestly, everybody else who is committed currently is probably okay. You never say anything is set in stone. But there may also be players out there who are committed elsewhere that West Virginia may say, okay, but we're still going to stay in touch, which is a customary thing after a kid commits. Um, what more do you have on, I guess, the thing you're holding in your hand right now or just the, the state of this recruiting class as far as poaching from outside sources? But I want to touch on something you, you kind of laid out there uh, that coaches for other schools will say, hey, okay, we're still going to stay in touch. And that hammers on the point that, the onus is kind of the is the onus is kind of on the recruit to say, no, thank you, I'm done, because coaches co- coaches for other schools aren't going to hear that and say, yeah, whatever, I'm still going to recruit you. That, but if a kid says, oh well, go on, then I how can you really blame the other college coaches for for continuing to recruit uh, the player? And I think that's kind of what we're seeing with uh, Andrew Wilson Lamp here, who was the first commit in this class. And I was told by a couple of our Ohio scouts that to watch out that he might blow up and get a lot of offers because as a sophomore, he was behind, I believe it was three FBS wide receivers, including an Ohio State, five-star Ohio State commit, maybe a four, high four-star commit. And then junior year was his first year to really kind of get out there and play, which was this past fall. And he did extremely well on both sides of the ball. And a lot of colleges have talked to him about playing cornerback. They feel his ceiling is higher there. He prefers receiver. That's where West Virginia recruited him. They saw him at camp last summer. And, you know, now it's starting to take off. Michigan State, Vanderbilt, Penn State, uh, Kentucky, all offering after West Virginia, after he committed to West Virginia, all staying in touch. And when I spoke with him the night that he got his Michigan State and Vanderbilt offers, He told me, um, he didn't flat out say, I'm not even going to respond to them. He said, I'm committed for a reason to West Virginia and Mm -hmm. kind of indicated that, you know, he was, he was, he's thankful for the offers, but that was it. Uh, but as time has gone on, he's been very open about his interest in hearing from these other schools. He said that he talks to Kentucky every single day. He's, uh, quote, definitely going to visit, uh, Michigan state. Uh, just now, the text I just read was a story that our VIP readers can check out uh, about his him talking his Penn State offer, and he says in there that you know he will likely take an official visit to Penn State too. So oh. this is going to be one of those things. And, and I mentioned it when uh, Wyatt Millam committed, and the this the key is one West Virginia is recruiting and targeting kids and getting a couple kids that are as good as any recruits that West Virginia's ever had. And the key is not to just get their initial commitment. It is to hold on to them until the very end. Because if you're going to recruit these type of players every year in and year out, you are going to have to put in the energy for to keep them in the class just as much energy as you did to get them in the class originally. And I think that's where you know you separate the best from the best on the recruiting trail. And we're going to see what Neil Brown and his staff can do here. Because obviously uh, schools – they beat out a lot of top schools for Wyatt Millen. A lot of top schools are coming after Andrew Wilson-Lamp. Will Crowder is going to have schools coming after him. 
Hammond Russell, who just recruited last week, is a guy who could also make another leap uh, that our Ohio guys have said could be one of those uh, recruits that kind of takes another level uh, going into his senior year. Um, and so it's going to be I don't I'm not predicting a bunch of decommitments, but it's going to be a lot of schools kind of hovering around West Virginia's recruits in this class. And then you could add to your curse of the decommit piece yes. on our site, which does happen. Uh, let's, let's go over a couple of them. I think Millam is an interesting one because I think the bigger programs late in the game can just come in and say, yeah, but, you know, you're from West Virginia. The, it's West Virginia's, you know, let's say that West Virginia doesn't win 10 games, right? Um, you know, they're still getting in there. They know, do you want to be a part of something that takes some time? Do you want to be a part there right away? Do you want to go to a bigger place? Do you want to leave home? It sounds like he's solid, but those pitches are pretty easy to understand. Um, Wistrom from Sweden, he's got a lot of work to do just to make sure that he lives up to it. It's hard to do, I think, for a guy who's just in his situation, but it's up to him probably to to play football and to convince West Virginia that this is something that has to work. It looks like St. McLeod, there's a relationship there that would actually work. The one, the two I want to talk to you about are, are probably interesting. Russell, because he's so new, I think nobody is probably uh, more burdened by outside influences than a kid who just commits because he's going to get those, hey, we'll stay in touches. But maybe that works out. But Crowder, too, you've kind of dispelled some worry there, especially with one school in particular. Um, how do you think it stands with those two? Because they're the newest, which means they're going to have the most people just say, hey, we'll be in touch if you don't mind. Um, but also there's reason to believe they could be here based on what you've kind of figured out. Yeah, uh, there is nothing that improves your recruiting stance uh, more than naming a top five or committing somewhere. As soon as you start doing stuff like that, then other schools will reach out. Uh, and we've heard it a million times. We've seen guys, you know, announce a top five and then uh, within hours start na- rattling off new offers that he has received from schools that weren't in his top five. Uh, schools, you know, realizing, hey, we can't keep waiting. We got to make a move if we want this kid. And same with commitments. They reach out right away, say, whoa, 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 you ready to make a commitment? What about us? Hold on, slow down. And uh, schools are doing that. Schools will do that. I know they did it with Will Crowder. Um, we mentioned that he, he made his commitment and then needed the whole next morning to kind of get uh, or the rest of the morning to talk to guys, talk to other coaches, because he was talking to his high school coach uh, the night before and the next day about, hey, what if this school, uh, Auburn, is the, the big one, I think, that, that West Virginia is worried about, his home state of, of Alabama. And, and Auburn was very interested but was kind of trying to get him to wait. And so he had a long talk with his coach both the night before and the morning of his commitment, then spoke with West Virginia. Then, as everybody's waiting, you know, we got the let's go tweets, we're waiting on the, the announcement, um, Crowder was reaching out to all the other colleges that were recruiting him to tell them politely, thanks, but no thanks. Mm. I'm going to West Virginia. So when someone goes through the effort of doing all of that, that has to make you feel a little better about how firm his commitment is. And so again, we've always learned never say never in this, but um, rarely are we seeing guys doing that and flipping um, you know, except for last year when Aaron Lewis flipped to Michigan about uh. a, a month after he said he told Michigan to leave him alone and he was never going there. So it again, never say never. Since you're in the, the mood and, and happy to say that I was right about something, <laughs> I want to keep that moving. Um, it was whispered to me sometime in the winter that they felt really good about this class and could be the best they've ever had, could be top 20 nationally. 
Um, I forget the number exactly, but I think that was it. Um, early, but also it's still early. <laughs> they can add to it. They got to hold it. I get that. But this is projecting to be a pretty big time class and they're making moves in that direction. Yeah, I think we've been hearing the same things. It, it kind of caught me off guard how confident they were in what this 2021 class could be. Um, but at their current, say, average rating, we got them at 87.46, which would be the highest average rating in school history. But if they kept that up and got, you know, 23, 25 commits, which is a standard full-size class, not counting transfers, then that would, looking at the past handful of years, put them right on the brink of top 25. I think last, I looked at last year's, and that would have put them at 26th or 27th. Uh, other years, it would have got them just inside the top 25. So if they can keep up this pace, you know, get some mid to high three stars, throw in another four star or two, and all of a sudden, you're right there on the brink of a top 25, just like they were predicting. Last one, Chris, and we'll run here. The current situation makes it difficult to build, you know, current or future recruiting classes too. And again, that may make kids a little bit more susceptible to being flipped. What type of work does West Virginia or does every school have to do to secure kids who were, you know, in the class or who were thinking about committing to 2021, even though you can't get on campus? I would imagine most of the 21 kids are, have already been on campus, but you still got to maintain that bond. But also, um, do you think that there's a worry for everybody about other schools who have more proven this or that, be it, be it facilities or track record, that they're a little bit more stronger now and they can kind of point to things that actually exist instead of having people come into your office and convince them to believe in things? Now, when, when visits are allowed, we've seen it a thousand times where a school would try to get, uh, say, a West Virginia commit to come out to visit and the school could say, you know, hey, if you visit – we're going to start looking around or, Hey, instead of isn't there, how about you come back up here again and, and try to undermine any trips elsewhere. And, but I don't see these, obviously these guys aren't taking trips to other schools either. So I don't know how they are, um, how you really go about that other than you really just have to stay in touch and you really have to just talk to them every day. You have to try to show quote, show them love with graphics, edits, all that stuff. Keep talking to them, keep sending them information because for the same reasons that I was saying that some of these kids are committing out of the blue um, to, to schools like very early during this uh, quarantine, kind of stay at home, social distancing. Uh, I, I said there are guys that are going to be making commitments because they're bored. They are just bored and they just want to go ahead and commit. And they were committing all over the place there in those first couple of weeks. And I think for the same reasons, guys are kind of keeping their ear open to other schools because they're bored and that's not a great reason to listen to other schools but it is true and these are kids so you have to try to stay in touch with them and keep their attention as much as you possibly can so benefit i guess nuisance but a benefit because they can't go somewhere else and see a bigger shiny better taller building not bad yep enthusiasm abounds that means it's time to go here we're going to keep our 20 minute conversation to right about 39 minutes which is par for our course here but uh, let's do this again soon chris we'll have basketball's uh ultimate 21st century team before you know it but that is all for this time so until next time i am mike casaza and i'm chris anderson we'll talk to you later